Welcome to another edition litigation psychology podcast brought to you by courtroom sciences. I am Dr. Bill Kanaski. I am here with two, uh, two very good friends and clients, and I'm going to speak for all of us right now. I am so glad that the end of a very, very painful, painful college basketball season is now over. I can go on with my life. I, um, that was that was quite painful. Uh, Georgian Walker, South Bend, Indiana, uh, Indiana alum, Indiana fan. How have you survived uh, March? Because it had to be painful for you. Well, I went to the first round of the tournament to see four games, and I went to the final four on Saturday. So I didn't have a dog in the fight, and I didn't have to be upset. I just had fun watching basketball. That's of all the of all the years for Indiana to be in this tournament, this was the one year every game was played <laughs> in the state of Indiana. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like having a music festival and not having John Cougar Mellencamp show up <laughs> or even invited. Wow, Paul Motes, Chicago, Illinois. Paul, how uh, how are how are things going with you? I saw DePaul just hired a new basketball coach, so now you're in for another losing uh, ten years. Congratulations. Hey, you know what? Uh, it's it's great as a DePaul grad. I get to root for the other Catholic school in town and uh, go uh, Loyola. They did. Uh, they did well. And uh, my 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 other favorite school in the state also uh, didn't do so well, Illinois. I'm going to leave but, that one alone. I know that's yeah, a sensitive. It's a sensitive. It, it is a sensitive su subject. Um, but uh, hey, how are you holding up? Given that uh, you just lost your best friend, your mentor. Uh, your shaman of your basketball program, uh, Coach Roy. Um, listen, uh, it, it was time. It was time. And uh, he I think he hired probably the best guy available, Hubert Davis. I just listened to the press conference. So, um, but until things pick up, I think, I think we're a football school. Oops, I said that out loud. Okay. I heard no. I use a football school now. <laughs> well, <laughs> how times have changed. Thank you for being on the podcast. You know, one thing we haven't talked about in a year, doing this for a year, by the way, over a year anniversary, trial skills. Because no one's been to trial, except for Paul here. Um, and so I do think like anything else, if you don't use it, you lose it. And um, courtrooms are starting to opening. I got 14 phone calls today. People are making me nuts. Um, and I'm getting a lot of calls, a lot of, you know, voir dire help, jury selection help, things like that, because everybody's forgotten how to do it. Um, but there are other things going on at trial that I think are really important regarding witnesses, particularly the art and science of cross-examination. Now, um, you two are both young, yet both really experienced and uh, very, very good um, attorneys. What's your general, uh, Paul, what, what's your general kind of outlook when you're, you're going into um, a situation where you're going to cross-examine uh, witnesses and you want to do the job at the same time you don't want to overdo the job at the risk that, you know, maybe you tick off a couple of jurors? Well, I, I mean, that's a, it's a great question, and I'm going to give you a great lawyer answer is it depends. Uh, it really depends on the situation. It, you, you get those things in life that are game time uh, decisions. I, I will go in uh, to a cross-examination with some points that may never see the, the light of day or some chapters of cross-examination that I may not use 
especially depending, you know, if it's if it's a single day witness and they're they just knocked it out of the ball ballpark, say it's the plaintiff, uh, and it was very emotional. I might not go in to beat them up. Now, uh, if the the plaintiff uh, did an okay job, uh, my my last. Uh, my last jury trial before the pandemic, I had had two plaintiffs and the, the first plaintiff testified was was planning to go with kid gloves, be very nice. And uh, this person uh, tried to jump down my throat right from the off. And after three or four, hey, 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 I'm just I'm just here to get to get some minor concessions. Uh, he opened the door enough so that I could be uh, a little more on the attack. Uh, you know, as a defense lawyer, I always believe that, you know, defense lawyers don't always get the same leeway with being aggressive as plaintiff's lawyers do. Um, especially with, with plaintiffs or with, with experts. But, uh, you know, that, that's my long-winded way of saying, um, you, you know, it depends on, on the playing field when, um, when I step up to do the cross. Nice. You can't handle the truth. Is that what that witness did to you? Uh, uh-huh. You know, I, I, yeah. it's something, something to that effect. Something exactly. To that effect. Yeah. Exactly. George Ann, uh, particularly a fact witnesses, how do you like to handle cross-examination? Because I know, I know you do a lot of medical malpractice work, and particularly if you have a plaintiff that's no longer on the planet and you're dealing with, you know, family members and, and things like that. How how do you how do you make this balancing act work by being effective but not come across as as a as a bully? Well, first of all, if I don't need to cross-examine the witness, I don't at all. I mean unless there's a fact that I need, for instance, let's say it is a medical practice case and husband died, wife was present when supposedly something was done or said, and I have to cross-examine them, um, then I do. But the first step is, do I really need to cross-examine this witness? And in a fact witness situation, if the answer is no, I just say, I don't have any questions. Um, Otherwise I get in and I get out. I have a very uh, strict outline that I follow. I try to get the most important facts that I can out of them initially so that that's the first thing or second thing the jury hears. I might bury something in the middle that might not be completely favorable to me, but perhaps I don't have another witness to get it in, the evidence in, so I have to go there. And then I usually save my second strongest point for the ends, wake the jury back up, but in and out. I mean, a fact witness, especially in a med mal trial, if I'm cross-examining them for more than 10 minutes, it's probably too long. Very interesting point. Probably reducing the risk to yourself as well. Okay, I'm going off script because I just thought of a brilliant question. Paul, (laughs) you have to cross-examine an adverse co-defendant. Hmm, ever had to do that before? That's kind of an interesting, you know... You definitely, um, you, you, that's a totally different uh, kettle of fish for sure. Yes. yes. Uh, but I, I think is, is, is George Ann just said the get in, get out uh, is, is the way to go because, you know, if it's a fact witness, plaintiff or adverse co-defendant, you know, if you trip over a line, it's going to blow up on you on redirect. Um, so it's, it's, it's really coming through the whole idea of, 
you know, stick to your points that you have to make out, you know, Rajan just, just talked about it, making a decision of whether you need to uh, cross-examine that person. If it's an adverse co-defendant, you got to figure the plaintiff has got their licks in before you've, you've ever stood up. Uh, so it's probably a very narrow window of, of material that you're trying to, uh, to get out of them, you know, getting back to the, the, the witness I was telling you about the plaintiff, um, I put my licks in, it was a husband and wife, it was a, a medical malpractice case, uh, but the, it was, the, they were joint executors of the estate, and I put my licks in on the husband, they, the plaintiffs thought, oh, this was going to be the same exact uh, strategy for the wife, that was their last witness, um, turns out, we had strategized this. My partner, uh, Heather, uh, who you've had on the podcast, yes, have. Uh, handled the cross-examination, and she uh, made the tactical decision after a very meek direct examination uh, because they, they had watched me put the, uh, the leather to the, the, the husband. Um, they, um, Heather decided, nope, we don't need to do any cross-examination whatsoever. We already got the facts out of the case. So that's interesting. Jordan said that's, that is such, a, such an important point. And uh, you don't want to ask that one question too many because that's, that's when everything comes tumbling down and, you know, you're leading with the jaw and you get that haymaker landed on you. It's never, never a, something that you want to happen yeah. to you in front of a jury or in front of a judge. Very interesting. I would add when it comes to if you had to cross-examine a co-defendant, I mean, first of all, if you're in that situation, I feel like something didn't go right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I, I would hope Something's that bad. I would have talked to my co-defense counsel and said, okay, you're going to get all this out, right? And then I don't have to ask <laughs> questions. Um, but if for some reason not, the only other situation I can think of where I've ever had to do it is um, when the co-defendant has also been um, disclosed as an expert. And I just want the jury to hear from another doctor or same type of healthcare provider um, that my client didn't breach. Interesting. This is great stuff. Um, I'm going to go off script again. See, I like going off script. I don't know why give us the yes, I'm not giving you a script. <laughs> All right. So what I'd like to talk about is do either of you are hat because this is going off of what Paul just said. This is Paul's fault. He makes a point that I'm like, hey, that's a great question. It's like a witness that talks too much. It's a, it's a guest that talks too much, giving me follow up questions. This is easy. Do you, George Ann, do you, and then I go to Paul with this, have there been times where you specifically wanted a like a male attorney cross examining a female or vice versa have you ever made those types of decisions like hey like like for example i may not maybe i'm not the right person to do this particular cross i want my associate to do it or my my other my co-partner have you been in that situation and i've tried to match it up to again improve the appearance of this you're smirking georgian so i'm dying to hear this answer <laughs> i have absolutely um in a situation where, you know, someone died and the surviving spouse was a female, the last thing I wanted the jury to think I was doing, and she had to be cross-examined because she had facts that, I mean, she was there, we had to cross-examine her. Um, I had my male co-defense attorney cross her because I just did not want the jury to think I was attacking her in any way. Not that I would have gotten up there to tone, but yeah, I mean, it's a decision you have to make sometimes. 
it is it, it, it is that's a uh, paul because i i assume you you've done a lot of cross and i'm assuming that um you may want to sometimes match up different people just because of the appearance of the jury fair enough Absolutely. You know, I, I know uh, I can be a bit of a bull in a China shop. Oh, really? And, yeah. Yeah. I, I know you had no idea. About no clue. That. No clue. Uh, it, it, and so it, it's definitely something where, you know, it, if there is a key witness that, you know, obviously you talk about it with the client, to, you know, if the client hired you to try the case and you're saying, well, I, I can't do the plaintiff expert or I can't do this uh, party, uh, there's got to be a good reason why. So it's, it's got to be well thought out. But yeah, just like uh, Georgian said, I'm engaged in this behavior yeah. and it's, it is a strategy in terms of, you know, how to get the points off uh, so you don't either uh you, you don't make it worse for you or you know if you're about to give closing argument you don't want to lose credibility yeah uh, with the jury so there's there's definitely some strategy involved so georgian when you're dealing with things um relating to plaintiff culpability medical non-compliance right didn't take their medications right didn't read the warning label whatever do you still kind of want to get in and get out, kind of stick and move, or or how do you? Because those because those are great facts for the defense. How, again, how do you balance that? Because you don't want to go too fast if you have pretty much proven non medical non compliance. I mean, that's golden for the jury, right? Yeah, um, I, I would still. I mean, on cross, I always want to get in and out, but in that situation, I would make my point. I would probably, depending upon the points. Um, that I was making allow there to be a pause so that the jury can actually think about what was just said. I mean, the goal is I need to get it into evidence so I can argue it in closing yeah. the goal. But if you can have that pregnant pause while I go back to my notes, even though maybe I know what my next question is. Oh, beautiful. Um, I like that. <laughs> and that's what I've always been doing at trial. It's a pregnant pause for no, adding you're, the, you're, the, you're the opposite. It's not <laughs> it's not that I don't know what I'm doing and I need to find it in my notes. <laughs> I, I think um, the other strategy that I would take would be if there was a document that showed it, for instance, perhaps there's a note that specifically says, you know, such and such patient was non-compliant and hasn't followed up with X. I would show, I would have that exhibit up or if, you know, in the old school days, I guess the jurors had their paper exhibit books, which they're not going to have anymore. I don't really think because of COVID, but you know, I would put it up on the screen, highlight it, and allow them to actually be able to see it so they don't fall asleep just listening to the yeah. testimony. Because then in closing, when I say, remember when I got her to say this? They're like, no, really, <laughs> <laughs> you lost me there. But they'll remember the document was up. Excellent point. Uh, Paul, let's shift to um, experts. Um, now the gloves are off, right? I mean, when, when you're getting the um, paid, well-paid expert, and probably both sides are doing this too, right? I mean, um, can you kind of compare and contrast your style? Um, because that's a, that is a different ballgame, correct? Yeah, it, it, it definitely can be. Um, you know, it's, it, it depends on, on the expert. The trial that I just, just completed in, in, out west, uh, the three liability experts, and each one of them presented a different style. Uh, one of them was the arrogant retained expert. One of them was 
uh, you know, just there to fight the whole time. And then there's the one that, you know, really just was matter of fact, yes, I didn't do this or no, that's not, you know, what, what the evidence shows. And there's, there's nothing better when you know your cross of an expert and you can just keep swinging away. Um, You know, I, I, as long as you're making points, you know, it's not like, you know, talking about the minutia, but as long as you're making the points uh, for the expert that just advance your case, there's not much more fun that, that I can really have in a courtroom outside of say closing argument. Um, that's just the, the way I approach it. You know, it's, it's kind of sad once the plaintiff's case is over and I'm like, what, I don't get any more cross-examination. <laughs> oh crap. Uh, co-counsel, you can do the rest of the trial. Uh, wait me for closing. <laughs> nice. George Ann, what, what's your philosophy uh, when cross-examining um, plaintiff's expert? Um, again, it depends on the personality. Hopefully you have a good deposition to go by. You know, these, these opposing experts aren't just going to walk into trial and roll over and say, you're right. You know, I was wrong. So again, have your points. I think that it's very important to have a well-established outline, even if you don't ask every question on it. And I'm not advocating that you sit there and read every question, but you need to know what you're doing when you get in there. And if you're going to impeach them, whether it be with an exhibit or their deposition, you better have that ready. If it's the debt, page and line number, if it's the exhibit, have the exhibit ready. If you don't use it, you don't do it. I mean, then you, you just, you know, at least you had it there. Um, I've had an expert once, he's on direct and he's walking around the courtroom and he's just glaring at me. And the, it wasn't my, it hadn't been my file. Someone pulled me in to try it. So I didn't depose him. So we had never met. And he's just walking around glaring at me. And I'm thinking, and you could just tell he was looking at me like, oh, this girl, she doesn't even know what she's doing. That was one of the most fun cross exams because I was sitting there thinking, I'm it's on. It's it. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, little do you know, you do not mess with George Ann. And he did not, obviously this, this person did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, George Ann just made a, a great point. Hopefully you have a great deposition. Uh, that that's a key thing throughout all of cross-examination. You know, some of the best plaintiff's attorneys, they win their case in the deposition. And there's, there's one very well-known uh, plaintiff's attorney who will just read the questions straight out of the deposition. He's got them all queued up on trial director and every single line that helps his case, he just reads it. And if you, if the expert or the witness changes anything, bam, it's video impeachment immediately. Uh, unfortunately, the last couple of trials I've had, I've had no depositions or I've had horrible depositions. So it's, it's really trial, it's cross-examination, uh, aggressive cross-examination by the seat of your pants uh, and hoping that you're not leading with your, uh, your chin out. And thankfully, I, I didn't get my chin, uh, you know, busted by anybody on cross, but uh depositions are so key when it comes to cross should really be setting up your your trial cross-examination there and unfortunately not enough lawyers do that yeah it's more well what just tell me the facts instead of what the plaintiffs are doing advancing the themes getting the key admissions and and locking in every favorable thing they possibly can and what's the point really of cross-examining someone if it's a moot point or it's something that doesn't really matter in the case you're just going to lose the jury 
So you might as well just make the key points that support your theory of the case and then argue it in closing. The only other thing I'll say about crossing an expert is I catch myself, I have to slow down because I'll just <laughs> rapid fire. And then before, before you know it, the judge is like, whoa, you guys. She's like, she's like Floyd Mayweather, Floyd <laughs> Mayweather. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> you mean it's not the court reporter first uh, throwing something at you? Usually that's who I, I make mad by going too fast. Right. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a great point. I, I, yeah. I, I've started uh, on some of these cases, I will do my own exhibits on my iPad. Like I'm in charge, like I'll take it over from the hot seat operator. I'll be running with my iPad as I'm uh, doing the exam. And that actually forces me to slow down, be more deliberate in the landing of the, the key points, instead of the body working the body bag, you're just like one after another, uh, it, making it more deliberate, which would sometimes help me out. But that's, you know, the, the pacing and the performance yeah. aspect, that's a huge thing about cross. So, so let's, um, let's turn the tables on you guys. When your clients say being called as an adverse witness and they're up there getting clobbered, are you just kind of like, saying prayers to God at that point? Or do you do either of you kind of object just to object, just to try to break up the rhythm? Or are you just trying to survive to get to the other side to rehab your witness? How do you, Georgianne, how do you handle that? Because that's got to be a difficult position for you to be in. I'm not going to object unless I have to, to preserve the record, because in my mind, that only puts a larger spotlight on this unfavorable thing. I pray to God the jury's not listening to, but that I knew I wasn't going to be able to get away from anyway. And because of your help, when we prep our clients, I mean, they're, they're ready for it. And I always tell my clients, I will not miss it on redirect. Do not argue with opposing counsel. Keep your answer short. I will get up on redirect and we will fix it. Paul? That's a great point. Yes, there are always prayers. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, working with you, Bill, it's, it, it, it's one of those things where I've I've learned enough that y you can spend all the time in the world with uh, a, a, you know the lowly you know truck driver, uh, an experienced neurosurgeon, the head of a hospital, or an expert, and sooner or later they have to perform. Um, yeah. So I, I, I will uh, diverge from George Ann there. And yeah, I will occasionally lodge a legitimate objection <laughs> uh, that breaks up the rhythm just j because, you know, obviously I look at, you know, I tell my witnesses I'm their bodyguard. When, I, when I'm in trial, because it's not one of those things where I'm prepping them for cross-examination in the steps of the courthouse. That's the first time I've seen that. Yeah. On these bigger cases, we've met multiple times. I've tried, and if, and if I haven't done it, I've, I've not done my job correctly, I've tried to put them through a worse cross-examination than they're about to go through. Uh, that's, you know, yeah. they, they don't necessarily like it being screamed at sometimes, but that's where you really get it. You go through the mock cross-examination to make it harder than what they're going to go through on the stand. And obviously using someone like your skills from the, the, the neuropsychologist point of view adds to their ability and their confidence to know, as Georgian just said, when it's my turn to stand up, I'm here to fix things. And if I don't, we've made the decision. It's not a, it's not a problem. So it's, especially for the, the witnesses that are, 
problematic. Uh, I definitely abide by the same axiom on cross-examination. Get up, fix what I need to, and then sit down and get them off the stand. Mm -hmm. Outstanding. All right, final question. I promise. As courtrooms start to reopen, and some already have, what I've been hearing from everybody is that they're not letting the attorney move around the courtroom. You have to stand at a podium and they're maintaining all this distance stuff, distance, distance, distance. How does that hurt you as a cross-examiner? Because I can, I have seen both of you perform and you don't just sit there behind a podium, but now you're going to have to, how are you going to adjust that? Because I do think for a cross-examiner to develop a rhythm, it requires movement. It requires demand of the courtroom. And if you're stuck at your table or the podium, do you think that takes some power away from you guys, Paul? I, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, it's not like the movies. I'm not getting up in the, the witness's personal space and shaking my finger or throwing documents at him uh, or her. The, the trial I just completed in, in Los Angeles, we were, we were at the podium. The podium was approximately 30 feet uh, from the witness stand. In a very, oh, yeah, it was a huge courtroom, huge okay. courtroom. Uh, and so in terms of the movement, I use the space around the podium. There were times where I would come to the side and just stand so he could see or she could see my full body profile. And here's the podium over here. And I'm just having a conversation uh, and showing you just like, OK, I'm coming at you. It doesn't matter where I'm standing. Uh, you have to adapt to the 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 I guess you could say the new normal. Yeah. Uh, the hardest thing uh, in, in current times is not so much the podium. It's the mask. And that's the problem uh, on cross-examination, especially if you're using an interpreter, as, as oh. we did in my last trial. The interpreter is trying to yeah, I mean, read your lips uh, <laughs> as he or she is trans uh, tra uh, translating simultaneously or almost yeah. simultaneously. So the lip, uh, the lip reading definitely gets to be uh, more difficult. But uh, podiums are not a problem. Masks definitely are when it comes to anything in a courtroom. Georgian, you get the last word. How are you going to uh, adjust to maybe some rules that you're going to have to follow? Well, in federal court here, for the most part, we were always required to stand behind the podium, even in close. Oh. So I'm used to it. Um, obviously, you know, it'll adjust, but I have to admit it's going to take a little bit of the fun away. <laughs> sure, movies. You know, for them, it's a little bit of theatrics. And yeah. if I'm crossing someone, you know, part of what I'm doing is I'm leading them. I want them focused on me, not the witness. I want them yeah. focused on what I'm saying. And when you be standing in front of that jury box, right smack dab in the middle of them, you know, it might make a difference, but you're going to have to, I'll use a different inflection in my voice, or I just learned a piece of advice. I'm going to stand to the side of the podium, maybe hold up a document that maybe doesn't even really say anything, but it's like, <laughs> what is that? It's the basketball schedule for next year. <laughs> Survive in advance. Well, Georgian, Paul, thank you so much. Repeat guests on the podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast. To our audience, thank you again for, for participating in another episode of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. We will see you next time. <laughs>